Welcome to Internet Urban Legends. I'm Eleanor. And I am the best friend, Loie. Elle, we have a really special one for our listeners today. You'll never believe it. I typically don't believe what you tell me without some heavy convincing, so... This is a special live episode of Internet Urban Legends with our friend Sarah Turney, recorded from Spotify Greenroom. The Sarah Turney from the hit series Disappearances, Get Excited, I'm for once convinced. Uh, But Loey, in case they don't already know, let's tell everyone what exactly Spotify Greenroom is. Ooh, good call. Spotify Greenroom is a new live mobile app by Spotify and built to connect listeners with artists, creators, and podcasters in real time. It's an interactive community where people like us chat with our friends, fans, and loyal supporters like all of you. So before today's episode, here's how you can join us for next time. Just download the Spotify Greenroom app and use your Spotify login to sign up. It's free and it's easy. Now, here's a special live episode of Internet Urban Legends recorded from Spotify Greenroom with our very good friend, Sarah Turney. Enjoy. Welcome to our first ever Green Room, everybody. I am Loey, your co-host of Internet Urban Legends, which is a Spotify original podcast. And on IUL, we dive deep into the darkest corners of the internet. Hey guys, I'm Eleanor, better known as Snitchery on the internet. I'm very excited to discuss these movies with our friend Sarah Turney of Disappearances. Sarah really advocates for victims and you know, talks about true crime on her podcasts. And I don't know how you do it all the time, man. It is draining. So I hope at the very least, this will be a bit of a break, a little bit of a breather. We can just talk about some horror movies. I'm excited to be here and talk about something a little, a little less serious for once. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, I think that the work that you do is so crucial and I mean, massive and really important for victims and people's stories and everything like that. But as your friend, very selfishly, I'm excited to talk about more lighthearted things with you. And what better way to celebrate spooky season than horror movies? It's kind of like this IUL and Disappearances crossover. It's kind of like the perfect night in, right? It's like the, the, uh, quintessential girls I did. Although, listen, everyone can join any gender. It's just do expect to wear footy pajamas and watch horror movies with us. That's that's basically all that we ask for. Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely in sweats. I mean, this is how I'm living my life. I'm choosing to live my birthday here in sweats with you. And we've never done anything together. We've talked for a long time, Miss Lowy, but we've ah. never done anything together. I've been featured in one of your videos something on TikTok, <laughs> but, but I'm so excited to finally do something with you. Yeah, I think in one of the very rare occurrences that I talked about true crime, I mentioned you and I've been a fan of yours and um, very grateful to be someone who now considers you a friend. And uh, so it's really exciting to kind of cross over and do something in the podcast space. Listen, you said that you're a little bit newer, but I think you are a seasoned pro. I love your podcasts. Podcasts, is, 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 listen, there's there's multiple now, right? <laughs> Yeah, so I still have Voices for Justice, which was the original podcast where I told the story of my missing sister, Alyssa yes. Turney. Now I tell other stories in need of justice, and I just started Disappearances not too long ago. Um, so yeah, I do have multiple podcasts. I've been around for a while. I've been around for a while. That's amazing. Yumi is grabbing popcorn in the chat. This is going to be good. <laughs> I'm so I could not agree more, Yumi. 
maybe we start off with Blair Witch Project. And it's something I know you said, Sarah, is like your favorite out of all of these. And I have a lot of kind of background information on it as well. I am so down to start with Blair Witch. Absolutely. My goodness. So with Blair Witch, has anyone in chat watched Blair Witch? I'm assuming we have like several people who are big horror movie buffs. Yes, Felix. I see that Blair Witch gif. Tiffany, you've seen them all. That's amazing. Samantha has seen them, or at least Blair Witch. I've only watched Blair Witch. I should be fair. I've never watched any of the others, but I did play the video game. There was a video game. (laughs) That sounds super fun. The first one's the best one, so you're not missing a ton. Oh, good. Oh, good. You know, it's one of those things where I feel like in very rare circumstances, is the sequel ever better than the first movie, right? Like, Maybe like Shrek. The second Shrek was amazing. Jaw dropping. Also, Shrek potentially a horror movie if you look at it the right way. Who knows? But for the most part, I always stick to the first, the first movie in a series. Mothman is the goat. So true. But with the Blair Witch, you know, I just, I, I just watched it last year. Actually, for the very first time, I had never watched it before. Did you see it, Sarah, like really like when it first came out? Is it like a newer watch for you? Oh, no. I saw it when it first came out and it was because of all the media hype. Like there was a whole website. You weren't sure if these people were actually missing or not. Like they didn't tell you like this is just a mockumentary or whatever. It was very much presented as this is real. This person is missing. If I remember correctly, maybe somebody in the chat can help me out. I believe that there was also a phone number you could call, Um, but it was really interactive, cool marketing. So I remember seeing it like when it came out in theaters, when it went down to the dollar theaters, I saw it so many times and it started of this like love affair of these found footage horror movies for me but it's just it's so well done and I absolutely saw it like as soon as I could it was so scary um but yeah I, I saw it right away wait I'm so here and I'm so happy you brought up the website because I have so much to say about the website but like w- did you see the website like back when the movie came out or is it something that like you stumbled upon later no, right away. Um, and Tiffany oh, says, I remember the oh website. It's It was such an immersive experience. I don't know if it's still up today. I would be surprised if it is. Uh, but no, at the time, like you went and it literally looked like they were looking for these missing people. And it was just super fascinating. Maybe not something I'd recommend today in marketing, but at the time it was it was really crazy. You know, it is just so interesting, isn't it? Like That website, I did a whole deep dive video. Like I said, usually I look at um, a lot of online alternate reality games and viral kind of scary stories. And I I talk through those stories. But the Blair Witch, it was kind of what I stumbled upon when I I was wondering what the first ever attempt at like a, a viral, scary marketing I guess just attempt would look like. And the Blair Witch was one of the very first ones that I ever saw. Um, but the website is so fascinating because honestly, it's, it. Uh, and granted, I have not looked at it since Flash was disabled. But for the most part, it's really stood up to the test of time. I know that Lionsgate has acquired the properties. So they've done a great job with keeping up the website. And if you're someone who's a fan of the Blair Witch, I think that the website is like a must check out because there's so much additional 
information, it's crazy. I think that I could stand on like a soapbox and preach about this forever, but the Blair Witch <laughs> literally paved the way for all found footage horror films. Like I don't think without the, excuse me, without the Blair Witch, certainly paranormal activity would not exist. Like none of these modern day found footage movies would be a thing. And they did it so well because they made you really think it was real. And it was such like mm-hmm. fine text. <laughs> like it, it's it's such fine text that it's like, yeah, listen, so this isn't real. So everyone believes it is. <laughs> well, I feel like it was like such a dangerous move too. It really could have gone either way for them. Like, you know, this movie had a budget, I think of like a max of $60,000 and made like what, 250 million? Like that is a huge gamble for them. They just sent these kids in the forest and gave them crazy instructions and called it a movie. Yeah. And I I don't think that they even knew what a massive success it was going to be because the Blair Witch Project, it debuted at Sundance. Like it was very much so an indie horror film. And look at it now. Mm -hmm. So guys, we actually have a question from our audience from Isabella. And she asks, why do you think people try to visit Burkittsville when there's a possibility that it is not haunted? Well, I think for fun, like as in like the movie's not real. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Like, why do you visit it despite knowing that the whole movie is fake or whatever? <laughs> and I, I mean, I think people just go for fun. They want to go see where the movie was made and they want to go take pictures and they want to visit it. Loie and I want to visit the house I'd where go. Bella lived with Charlie in Forks, Washington. It's an Airbnb, so people will certainly visit for lesser things. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would go with you guys in a heartbeat. Please. Actual oh, summer party. Road trip, please. So Thank you. <laughs> Done. And Felix is wondering what your favorite part of watching the movie was. Oh my goodness. For me personally, I would say my favorite part of watching the movie as someone who watched it about 20 years late was the buildup to the ending because everyone talked about the ending of that movie and how iconic it was. And, um, but also people had very mixed reactions. Like, is it this incredible show stopping, like, incredible show-stopping one of a kind but like is it that is it this the best (laughs) ending of a horror movie of all time or was it a total letdown and a cop-out and people have such polarizing opinions on it I think like the movie in general for me like I was so young when I watched it my gosh I think I was like 11 when it came out like I was trying to solve this mystery like I was trying to find these people I was ready to like go out there and help search um and it was just I mean (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for me, it was just genuinely like scary and such a real mystery until, you know, I I grew up a little bit and realized that it it was not real. (laughs) I just watched it for the first time this week, as Loie mentioned. So I feel like I maybe had a different experience. It was almost felt like watching Star Wars, like the original Star Wars as an adult, where you can really appreciate like how influential and groundbreaking and well done it is. And also... I guess not think it's that shocking. Loey and I have watched a lot of really weird movies together. So comparatively, the end, I guess, I didn't know it had this like massive air of, I don't know, being that crazy. Didn't really feel that way to me. But the movie itself felt like, I don't know if this is the case, pretty much completely improvised in a really cool way. I don't feel like I've seen many movies like that. So that was super, super cool. Yeah, so much of the filming of it was improvised on the fly. Like you guys were talking about, it just, the there are also so many scenes that didn't make it into the final film. Have you guys heard about this? 
I know nothing. Okay. So Sarah, do you know about this? I'm going to be talking oh, yeah. about the, the thing in the woods. Yes. I love this part of this movie. So yes, please. So in, in the movie, of course, you know, you never technically see the Blair Witch. You never see the monster. And it kind of lends itself to a lot of conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, with this, was there ever a Blair Witch? There are people out there who believe wholeheartedly that it was the two guys in the film who kind of orchestrated this whole, you know, thing and made up this monster. And it's like, there are so many conspiracy theories around the plot of this movie. But with the filming of the movie, they kind of like unleashed the three main people, the three main characters, the college students making this documentary. They unleash them into the woods and it's kind of like they have like light lines, but for the most part, they all knew it was going to be reaction based. And a lot of this was going to be like caught on the moment and they wanted to keep this like spontaneity around it mm-hmm. because uh, it just was more interesting and might make for a more fascinating movie. Um, Tiffany just said, wow, so true. I never thought about how improv it must have been. Exactly. And Yumi says, no wonder why the acting seems so real. I was going to mention, they were dedicated. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting, like, the screams in this movie are so intense. I had never heard anything like that outside of, like, maybe hereditary, iconic scream. Well, so interesting you mentioned the screams because when they... um they did the scene in the woods where the camera's kind of like jerking around. It's it's in the second half of the movie, I think. The camera's jerking around and uh, they're saying, what is that? You know, they're catching something. They're catching, quote unquote, something on camera. They think they are at least. Uh, and they're screaming, but they never they never get whatever they're seeing on camera. It turns out that I want to say it was like, somebody that was like painted fully white like they were like dressed up in like all white clothing and like they were just fully whited out and they were running around the woods like trying to scare them but the authentic screaming that the um what is the girl's name why am I blinking so hard it's Heather that's right it's Heather but the authentic scream that um Heather's actress like gave during that and like the like the what is that it was so good they didn't want to refilm it Mm, it's like the exorcist but much less like insidious so much (laughs) yeah i mean the actors came out and talked about how they were basically traumatized by the filming process they were like it was real we didn't know that those things were there in the forest they were given like less food than they needed to survive and they were given conflicting instructions like they were like you should have the map no you should have the map so like those are real fights that's why i just it's so interesting it's like it's honestly filming i mean listen maybe perhaps a bit of tea and a bit of shade it's not really filming conditions that would fly today no especially i mean no definitely it it makes you wonder like how you probably can't even quantify like how traumatized you'd be walking away from something like this i don't know i don't know but it's very 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 interesting have the actors spoken about like the filming experience do you guys know yes yeah, yeah, I believe Heather uh, specifically speaks out the most, if I remember yes. correctly. Oof, the Blair Witch is real, <laughs> and it's poor working conditions. The Blair Witch is real, and she's film producers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of those haunted so houses. Like, the haunted houses where you sign up to, like, be touched and, like, really, really scared. Mm. That's kind of what it reminds me of. Oh, yeah. I was going to say sounds illegal. 
So true. Literally so (laughs) true. Let me think. Uh, with, With the Blair Witch Project, we've all obviously seen it. We all have many thoughts about it. But I think, like, it's more so the lore of the movie. The the plot of the movie is pretty simplistic, but it's really the filming conditions and the way that they hyped it up and all of that stuff that made it so intense and crazy. But I think that it lived up to the hype for sure. Oh yeah. I think so too. I do wonder if you could make a movie that had a similar marketing campaign now, or if it would be too easy to figure out. Cause back then, like you were both saying, people really believed that the actors were missing deceased, that like they had met terrible fates. IRL. I wonder if Twitter would ruin that perception immediately in 2021 or if somebody could do this again. Because I don't know, you two would know better than me, if there are other horror movies or franchises that have employed similar kind of marketing techniques to draw a pipe. I can only think of that mermaid documentary, honestly. That's the only one I can think of, but I don't think it would fly today. There's no way. I mean, it. I know, right? Well, I think in 1999, it's not as if most families had a home computer, let alone smartphones. You're not able to go IMDB it or whatever and go figure out who these people are. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's no way. It's kind of a, a Ooh, lost yeah. treasure in time. Mm-hmm. We do have a full movie night ahead of us, ladies. I, I do hope we have our popcorn ready. Should we talk about Mothman prophecies next? Mothman prophecies surprised me. I'm very curious if people in the chat, I saw earlier people saying that they had seen all three. Love that. Incredible. Uh, Mothman prophecies swept me off my feet. (laughs) I also saw this one very recently uh, and it was absolutely nothing that I expected. It's a film that is based on (laughs) true events, very loosely based on events in the sense that there was a disaster involving a bridge in, I think it's Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And beforehand, a number of residents of Point Pleasant said that they saw essentially Mothman, this seven foot tall, dark winged figure that foretold of this disaster and who was never seen again. There's a statue there. The movie itself focuses on a journalist who kind of becomes consumed by Mothman. It's incredible. If you are a fan of sort of like early 2000s um, dramatically edited films, you'll be all about it. Super fun. It's kind of a light horror film if you want to get into the spirit of Halloween, but... Uh, you're not a fan of something like Candyman, maybe. Maybe that's too scary. Blair Witch is too much. I liked it a lot. I'm also curious, Loey, in this movie, Mothman is like, mm-hmm. he's an outright villain. We had a podcast episode about Mothman where we decided he was your friendly neighborhood cryptid, could not harm a fly. Mm-hmm. Sarah, mm-hmm. I don't know your hot take about Mothman, but I was a little disturbed <laughs> to see him so vilified in a movie. <laughs> Right. Like my take is in like the myths and the urban legends, he does seem like way more of a helpful figure. And this Mm -hmm. movie was not that. I think I've decided that I like the legend a lot more than the movie, but I do love Laura Lenny. So that's basically where I stand. I agree. The movie was fascinating. I thought it was really fun. This is totally up my alley. It's a genre I enjoy, but it was kind of divorced of the real Mothman to me, our buddy Mothman. Mothman is like... He is the moment, first and foremost, but he's also like 
so beloved by the internet urban legends production side of everything. Both Eleanor and I love Mothman. Our entire team loves Mothman to the point where we have like matching mugs of Mothman that we drink our caffeine out of. So it is sort of like funny to not even funny. It's sort of jarring to see him vilified and like turned into this horror character. Henry K just asked, what are the real myths about the Mothman? And honestly, like, we go really into depth on what episode that we have on Mothman as a whole. But, like, what are the myths? What are not the myths? There are so stinking many. Like, he's busy. He's been busy. He supposedly, much like Eleanor said before, foretold this bridge coming down. He also, like, what was the one story that we told Elle where it was, like, he approached a woman and her child on the street? I guess this is not a hero moment for Mothman. He approached a woman and her child in the street, and she was so scared. She, like, flung with her (laughs) newborn baby to the ground to, like, get away from him. Mothman is an intimidating figure. (laughs) I think the Point Pleasant incident is kind of the most famous Mm -hmm. Mothman moment because there were so many, I guess, recorded accounts of people having seen a Mothman-like figure before, obviously, a tragedy, this bridge uh, accident. It ended up collapsing under the weight of traffic and killing 46 people, which is horrible and tragic and very strange that Mothman was never seen again after this. So, like I said, they have a statue of Mothman. In the town, I guess they see him as more of a hero figure, but I don't know. Yeah, it is tricky. Sarah, do you have any? Okay, listen, we should be talking about the movie, but really fast. You have thoughts on like <laughs> real life Mothman, aside from the fact that he's very clearly caked up, as is canonical to the story. What's so hard for me is that when you look up the legend, there are so many sightings of him. So it's so hard for me to believe that like hundreds of people were wrong or whatever. And they're so specific mm-hmm. about their descriptions, right? They're all like, oh, he had about a 10 foot wingspan, the red eyes. So it, it's hard. It, I feel like he's almost become like a Bigfoot in a way where it's just become like this folklore yeah. legend, if you will, with a ton of sightings. So, I mean, I lean towards, you know, Mothman and our Mothman moderator being good. <laughs> I, so so true. I also lean towards him being very real. I'm not sure why. I think I'm more uh, inclined to believe in cryptids than I am in ghosts anyway. But Mothman strikes me as something that could be very real in some capacity. Maybe something we don't understand. I don't know if it counts for anything. I, I think I'm pretty real, you know? <laughs> Mothman. Mothman evidence. It's like we can still hear them from beyond the grave. It's <laughs> recorded. Hey guys, I'm here. It's it's a real life sighting, not a sighting. You can hear me. <laughs> so according to Mothman prophecies, that's really bad news for all of us. So. Oh shoot! No, I'm just trying to warn you of events. Yeah. I'm I'm here for good. <laughs> Thanks, Mothman. We're all scared. Thank you. (laughs) I do find it interesting that Mothman foretold a tragic accident and now this town has a Mothman festival, a Mothman statue, a Mothman museum. And like the merch. I guess it's just canonical that he is a good dude, even after the movie. You know, you know, uh, Mothman cannot, uh, Mothman, Mothman prophecies cannot take away I don't know. Why do they? Or they're like appeasing an angry god. (laughs) Like they're giving him (laughs) gifts annually so that like Mothman doesn't come back to the town. 
He's actually oh horror my god, <laughs> we're misunderstanding. It That's completely. the horror movie. <laughs> That's but don't literally. we want him here to predict everything and help us? Not it's such a double edged sword of injured cold. He was annoying and cryptic. Mm. Somehow I feel like if Mothman could have predicted. Like, basically the last five years of our existence, maybe he wouldn't have told us because we probably wouldn't have believed him. I do wonder, like, where are the Mothman sightings? Why weren't there Mothmen just everywhere in early 2020, late 2019? What's going on there? So true. So true. They left us in our time of need. (laughs) Exactly. It's just like um, that one uh, quote from Avatar, when the world needed most, he vanished. It's like the new Eternals trailer. Why didn't you help them? We were instructed not to. Like, mothmen are all just standing back watching COVID. Come on, man. Oh, maybe they left because we didn't believe. It's like Tinkerbell. They they need us, you know, to thrive. I like Tinkerbell. (laughs) We definitely believe. (laughs) I totally, I was going to say, I relate to that. If I'm not getting attention, I just kind of peace out, too. (laughs) Just kind of wither away. (laughs) Wither away, literally into the wind. Alyssa Bounds actually has a really interesting question. She says, does each state have their own cryptid? Do you guys know? Good question. Like a state bird, Great a question. state cryptid. They should if they don't. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen those like localized maps? I'm kind of obsessed with them. Of It'll be the map of like the United States and it'll say fast food, restaurants by popularity, state by state, or like video games or literally anything. I wonder what the cryptids are. Popularity state by state. I have to imagine there are so So many cryptids. If we've learned anything on internet urban legends, it's that urban legends are everywhere. There's probably at least one cryptid in every state. I can honestly agree with that. And I do think that it should have to be like legally disclosed. You know, like the state flower and like the, you know, the state crop, the state vegetable, perhaps. I think we should replace the flag with pictures of state cryptids. Every yes, state. Yes. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Make it less confusing and more fun. So much less confusing. <laughs> How did you feel, Sarah, about... Listen, I think that Eleanor and I might be slightly... Uh, bias with Mothman. He is our beloved sidekick. But how did you feel? I I guess, did you know much about Mothman in general before going into the movie? And how how do you feel about him now as both the character in the movie and him, the moderator in our chat, obviously, but the entity? So I knew nothing about Mothman going in. And mind you, I watched this movie like when it came out. So it's been a minute. Um, But I did rewatch a little bit and watch some stuff on YouTube. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. I, I still think I like the legend of him a lot better than the movie. And maybe it's just something about mm-hmm. Richard Gere or something about the way that the movie plays out. Um, but yeah, I mean, the movie <laughs> didn't do it for me. I feel like the legend itself is so much better and cooler. And there were, there were a lot of ways they could yeah. have gone with that movie. And yeah, I mean, it just wasn't it for me. I still, I love the legend. I just, I just honestly don't love the movie. I thought the movie was hilarious. I mean, it is hilarious. (laughs) That is true. I like, I took it for what it was. I realized as soon as I saw the CGI Mothman jump scare a la, when was this? 2002. I was like, okay, I'm buckling in. Uh, No pun intended. (laughs) And I know what I'm in for. I thought it was a fun ride. But I also, like I said, I have no idea if you remember, Sarah, I know you said you only rewatched a little bit of it, but like all the phone calls from the mysterious digitized Mothman didn't really make sense or add up to anything. I had to just completely Mm. divorce the Mothman character in this movie from our beloved son, Loey. 
But other than that, like amazing film, cinematic <laughs> tour de force. Honestly, I thought it was very, very entertaining. Cinematic tour de force. That is a glowing review. I listen. I am easily won over by an early two thousands movie, regardless of the genre. Okay. I just think like the cinematography okay. is funny. The lines are funny. It was all hilarious. I could honestly not agree with that more. It just it. You know, for a film that has, I, I did just Google this, 52% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, a cinematic tour de force. Polarizing. Some love it, some hate it. And I, mm. I happily camp out in the love it uh, sector. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, I agree with you on early 2000s movies. I, I think that I was telling you about one I watched the other day, Al. I want to say it was called just The Haunted. It wasn't called The Haunted, but it had a very generic title like that. And I have seen the movie a million times before and like 70 different uh, variations, I'm telling you. And it was it was the mm-hmm. same movie, the same early 2000s horror movie that I had just watched with different titles like 17 times. The numbers keep changing, but you get it. They're all very funny. And I'm, I'm glad that we're on the same page about that. Honestly, that plus Mothman, there was no <laughs> way I was not going to enjoy this movie way more than it probably deserves. So real so, quick, real quick, have, y'all, we have okay. a an audience member, Yumi, who has some examples of cryptids across each state that she would love to give us. I'll bring her on for a second. Ooh. Oh, my God, please. Please. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Yumi, are you there? Hey, guys. <laughs> hey. Um, so, yeah, hey. I actually found a map on Google because um, I was so curious. And I see that there's like cryptids that are specific to each state. Like, let me see. Obviously, the Mothman in, I think, West Virginia. Bessie, the lake monster. Um, I think, where is that located? It's somewhere in the Great Lakes. Where else? Have you guys heard of the Pope Lick Monster? No. No. I think that's the other name for uh, the Goat Man, actually. (laughs) Oh. Goat man. Yeah, the public monster. And then there's also the Chupacabra, mm. which mm-hmm. is located in Texas, it says. And Momo. Oh, Momo. Momo is located somewhere. This map is kind of tiny, but. <laughs> um, and then, like, yeah, there's just random. I haven't heard of these Thunderbirds, Wampus Cat. Like a <laughs> oh. Pikachu. <laughs> Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing, Yumi. Yes, of course. Thank you. This is catalyzed an obsession. I'm literally, I because I'm recording on my brother's phone, I'm like actively looking up all the cryptids across the country. I have to know. I have to know. <laughs> it is just like there's so many and you don't know until you know. And then you know and you can't stop thinking about them. I'm much more afraid of the goat man than anything else mentioned, <laughs> to be honest. That sounds so horrifying. I don't know any. Well, I guess you guys can't because your technology worked today. But anybody listening, uh, afterwards, look up ghost or ghost man, goat man. Horrifying, horrifying images you will find on Google. Nothing like inappropriate, but like very unsettling. Mm-hmm. You'll perhaps yeah, goat man prophecies coming to a theater screen near you. <laughs> We're like eight foot moth. <laughs> fine, goat man, foul. Go away. Get this <laughs> guy out of here. <laughs> On that note of uh, getting out of here, should we talk about our last movie? We only have 13 minutes till the turn of the hour. And I'm very excited about this last one because I know, I mean, the remake is new, yes. but it has like quite a legacy. Yes, we are going to be talking about as our last movie today, Candyman, which 
I want to preface this by saying that I have only seen the 2021 version. I've never seen the OG. Same. Oh my gosh, you guys. You guys are missing out on like seeing all these movies when they first come out in all of their glory. It's such, it's, it's, it's too bad. No excuse. (laughs) No excuse. I'm trying to be better about it. I'm like, I went to film school. I changed my major. I'm getting back on the wagon. (laughs) I mean, it's not your fault. I'm sure that you were young too. (laughs) I think when these came out, I was like a babe. At least the OG. You know, I never personally watched Candyman specifically because, well, okay, let's, let's first discuss Candyman before I say why I did not watch the original. Um, and it is spoiler alert because I was terrified, but so we've all seen Candyman, 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 <laughs> Candyman, Candyman, plural. Sarah, again, this is like a log in here that has so many different films. Have you seen, I'm assuming you've seen the first one. Yes. I don't think that I saw the few sequels in between, like the 95 and the 99. I did not see, but I definitely saw the first one and the last one. It's kind of like the Nightmare on Elm Street series, you know what I mean? Or even just like the Halloween series where it's like, you know the general idea, but it's like there's so many films at a certain point I personally cannot keep up. (laughs) Absolutely not. I saw Halloween Kills recently, and it was the first movie I had seen in the Halloween franchise ever, and you needed absolutely no backstory. Like you said, you Mm -hmm. get the gist. (laughs) Apparently, they've also killed Jamie Lee Curtis twice in that series and just retconned it, which I found shocking and hilarious. It's Jamie Lee Curtis. How could they not? They just I mean, you can't really kill Jamie Lee Curtis. No, like a bad bitch. And people were, I guess, just angry. (laughs) So they brought her back. (laughs) I love that, though. (laughs) The new one's not Rob Zombie, is it? That was like the other Ooh. remake. Am I remembering that correctly? I don't remember. Of Halloween Kills? Yeah, the new Halloween. Because I know that Rob Zombie did like the last remake maybe like five years ago. Oh, wow, a Rob Zombie Halloween movie. It sounds deeply fascinating. I don't think this one was. It's David Gordon Green. That's the director. Okay, okay. They just yeah. keep passing it to people. And it's so interesting to me. I mean, but Jamie Lee Curtis just stays, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. So if you guys, if you guys have watched Candyman, I, I'm assuming the plot stays relatively similar throughout, uh, given that I've only seen the first one. But uh, it focuses around the legend of the Candyman, which is pretty simple. It's like if you guys have ever heard of uh, Bloody Mary, which probably most of you have, where you say Bloody Mary's name into a mirror, then she appears and it's super spooky. With Candyman, you say his name five times in the mirror, then he comes and he kills you. It's, it's a very dramatic event. Like why you couldn't just show up and be like, hi. Just like, no, let me, let me hook you. He's a hook hand. That's the other big plot point. And the reason I never played it, never played it. See, I'm already getting ahead of myself. The reason I never watched the movie is it was like, and Sarah, I think we're pretty similar in age. So maybe you also heard this, but I heard when I was a kid that if you watched Candyman, because they say Candyman five times in the movie, you would immediately be cursed and he would show up. So I I didn't hear that, but I am the youngest of six kids. So I was told that basically if you say it in the mirror that you're going to die, like that was just your fate mm-hmm. or whatever. So although I wasn't afraid that they were going to get me after the movie, I was basically like dared to 
play Candyman. And this is how playing Candyman went with my sister, right? It was us in a bathroom with the lights on saying Candyman five times. And on the fifth time, she would shove me in, turn off the light and lock the door and keep me in there. So it was like, it was a full on immersive experience for me. Um, oh, yeah, my I mean, God. yeah, it's, I mean, it's a brutal legend and Candyman, the entity itself, you know, in, in this legend is an mm-hmm. angry figure. I mean, there's a lot that goes back with politics and things like that. It's just, it's a super interesting, rich story for me. Angry, but rightfully I, so too, based on the lore yeah. of the film. Like this is, I mean, it's Nia DaCosta and also co-written by Jordan Peele. So it's going to have a sort of a political message behind it. I went into this movie with very high expectations because I thought the trailers were hype. I thought they were so good and it still managed to meet them. I really liked the new iteration of Candyman. Mm-hmm. I liked it too. I liked it a lot. I'm also curious. I I feel like you're both big in the spooky space. I am. Mm -hmm. Loie, you always bill me as a skeptic. I would never play Candyman or Bloody Mary. Sarah, have you played it since? Would you do it now? I'm like not a believer. I know it's a movie logically, but I still (laughs) would never say Candyman five times in front of a mirror. Oh, I would do it in a heartbeat. Like, I live for that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> no. like dare me. Like, come on, let's do it. I like, oh come on. Oh, my God. Um, Prioritize your well-being, please. <laughs> Sarah and I will be in the bathroom, like, in the dark saying Candyman while Eleanor just, like, rocks on the outside with her Mothman plushie. I'm about to turn on another light. She's like 911 right on speed dial. Literally. <laughs> that is insane to me. I'm like, I don't, I don't even want to mess with it. Listen, the risk reward is just not there. What do I get? Maybe I don't die. And worst case scenario, I do die. Pass. You become a part of the legend. Come on now. And you know, at the very <laughs> most, you could become the next candy man, the next candy woman. That's true. I guess we do see uh, what happens in that case. <laughs> Additionally, pass. <laughs> Still no. Here's the thing. I have, I have a fat crush, like a massive crush on the guy who plays Anthony in the most recent mm. Candyman. He's so fine. Yeah. So I'm not sure that I would feel as connected if I did not want to um, aggressively date <laughs> the, the, the main character <laughs> of these movies. But that, that certainly helped to pull me in. And the storyline of this one was so, so good. It, it was just really, really interesting. And now I feel like I have to go back and watch the first one. I think it's worth it. I mean, it's it's cool to see those movies. I mean, you're talking about 1992, and so the effects are just like nothing else. Um, I think for the time, it was really mm-hmm. well done. But of course, you look back on it now, and they're all kind of laughable, if you will. Like, it's just kind of funny to see. But I think it's still, it still holds up to the test of time. Kind of like Child's Play. Oh, Child's Play. Child's Play, man. The other day, actually, when I went, Eleanor and I did this together. We went to a Halloween Kills event, and um, before I left, I put on just like mm-hmm. Hulu for the dogs. And there was a 2019 version of Child's Play. And I was like, ooh, I'll leave this on. And then when I was at this event, I was telling my friends about it. I was like, yeah, I left on Child's Play for the dogs. They were like, that is that is a choice to, to, to have your dogs watch <laughs> Chucky while you're gone from home. And I realized, oh, yeah, maybe I'm not the best dog mom. I tried. Now they have nightmares. I think, there, isn't there a new Chucky series coming out too that's supposed to be like kind of comedic? I think it's been comedic for like the past 10 years. Oh, really? I'm I'm not, I've never seen a Chucky movie or like any, any, <gasps> any of the child's play movies. I'm not a doll person. Dolls actually scare me. Dolls freak me out. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't want to see little things moving at night in the shadows. Pass for me. 
I mean, fair enough. I did have like nightmares for like 10 yeah. years. It's fine, but it's, it's still like <laughs> such a, it's such a staple. I do feel like I need to see one. <laughs> yeah. One of the, you one of the older ones. Don't do like the new ones with like his son and stuff. Cause that's when it just gets silly. All he does is like do silly things and smoke. And it's just, it just becomes kind of a, a, a joke. I mean, they're funny movies, but the, the first ones are definitely the better ones. This has been so much fun discussing through all of these uh, iconic, iconic horror movies, especially just in time for spooky season. Thank you so much for being here today on Green Room. And if you're listening to the episode over on Spotify, thank you so much for checking this out. You can check out Sarah's podcast called Disappearances over here on Spotify. And Sarah, that's a Spotify exclusive as well, right? With you. We love that little Spotify fam. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like I just kind of naturally jumped in the lead here. I'm sorry if I took the reins. Like, unnecessarily. Does anyone else want to say anything before we go? <laughs> fearless leader. Seriously, thank you. You made, no, you, uh, you no, were amazing. So. And you made it such a fun experience. So thank you. Oh, thank you, I'm my sure love. you guys uh, know where you can find all of us. Loie's at Loiebug. I'm at Snitchery or yeah. Are you at Loiebug everywhere? Mm, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you're Sarah. You are Sarah E. Turney, right? Yes. Thank okay, you. Hi. This was so fun. So much fun. We, we have to do it again sometime. Surely. You guys will have to let us all know across social media what we could do another green room episode on. Maybe, maybe we could get together for the next holiday. A little, a little Thanksgiving special, a little Christmas special, perhaps. <laughs> Krampus. Oh, I love it. Yes. Krampus. Oh my gosh. Yes. Internet Urban Legends is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler from Parcast, Slash Management, and by Deanna Markov, Avi Gandhi, Ed Simpson, Brent Montgomery from Wheelhouse DNA. Sound designed by Ron Shapiro. It is produced by Jonathan Ratliff, John Cohen, and Kristen Acevedo. It is associate produced by Lexi Kiven. Research provided by Emma Gladstone and Kyle Dearborn. And we're your hosts, Loie Lane and Eleanor Barnes, a.k.a. The Gruesome Twosome. Thanks for listening to this very special live episode of Internet Urban Legends with our friend Sarah Turney. Ready to check out Spotify Greenroom for yourself? All you have to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app and sign up for free. There are tons of incredible rooms to join each week. And hey, you may see us there from time to time. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify Greenroom for free today.